Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to the Week 12 edition of the Field of 12's Best Bet Show. My name is Rob Dosser. I'm joined here by the one and only Greg Waddell, who uh, who has promised, and he's promised, ladies and gentlemen, that we are going to hit a retirement parlay. I think it's this week, Greg. It's got to be this week because uh, we're running short on uh, on weeks to be able to hit one of these. So I'm down currently $1,200 listening to you, bidding $100 on every one of these things. But you know what it takes? Just one to make it all back. What's going on, my man? How we doing? We just we had a chance to hang out in Indy uh, last week and had a blast. For doing some, uh, we were doing some Field of 68 shows out there. What's going on? You caught up on your sleep yet? Was a long day. You know, I'm I'm getting there. Never enough sleep, but that's okay. Listen, uh, you're right. We have to hit a retirement parlay. That's what the people are saying. That's what the streets are saying. And Rob, you and I texted a little bit back and forth last night. You know, you've been all over the country this week, traveling to Austin, getting to catch that Gonzaga Texas game. And uh, you know, I think that betting sometimes, you know, when you bet like we do, Rob, it's not a question of if you have the ability to win bets like a retirement parlay, right? It's a question of, do you have your stuff on any given night? It's kind of like a playoff pitcher. Like you, you don't question if these guys can throw the ball. You just question if they have their stuff on a given night. Here's how I know we have our stuff today, Rob, you and I last night, we both texted back and forth about jumping on Michigan live minus seven and a half. And then I think it jumped up all the way to plus eight and a half. They were getting smoked. And after about five minutes, we both cashed out on the lovely Bet Rivers app. That's an adjustment. That's us realizing we didn't have our fastball last night. That's us living to fight another day. And today's another day. I'm looking forward to this Saturday slate. Yeah, it's great when you don't actually lose a bet and you make 50% of your money back. It looks very, very nice in the account when you get some of that money back in there. It's only like we lost half a bet, Greg. That's all it is. That's, That's big. all it is. Um, listen, I'm, I'm dragging a little bit today. I had a little bit of an adventure yesterday at the airport. I, uh, I had my keys. It's the, the key fob ones, right? The remote keys had them in my bag, open a car door, put it in the back of the car, shut the door, go to open the front door. Front door is locked. Try to open the back door. Back door is locked. Try to open the trunk. Trunk is locked. The, the car, when the keys were inside of it, did not register that the key was in there. So I was locked out of my car in the parking garage at the Philadelphia airport. I was on the roof. It was 30 degrees, and the wind was blowing 25 miles an hour, and I had to stand out there and wait for, wait for AAA to show up. I've never been so cold in my entire life. I was up there for three hours. It was the most miserable experience I've ever gone through. Uh, but luckily, I made it through. I survived. 
I survived that experience, basically living on top of a mountain for three hours uh, to come here and provide you guys with some analysis. Look, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. There are, for my money, the top seven teams, maybe LSU doesn't really count because they kind of have a, uh, a meaningless game this week, but uh, six of the top seven teams are in action uh, against teams that uh, outside of USC top five are, are going up against unranked teams. We're going to talk about whether or not we see any upsets there. We have a lot to talk about in the big 10 West because that is a complete shit show. And I want to kind of get your thoughts on that, but we're going to open up the number one team in the country, Georgia on the road at a Kentucky team that we all thought was really good about three weeks ago. And is coming off of a loss at home to Vanderbilt. Uh, Georgia is laying 22 and a half in that spot. The total there is 48 and a half. Kentucky's lost four of their last six. Uh, Georgia is already in the SEC championship game. Greg, what do you see happening? How do you see this playing out? First of all, just to go back, lesser men would have died in that parking garage. So credit absolutely fighting through adversity. My friend, uh, Georgia, you, Kentucky, means right? Georgia, Kentucky. I, at this point in the season, you're probably going to hear me say this about seven different times on this show. Uh, this is about motivations for me. This is about like, what, what does each team individually want out of this week? I wouldn't necessarily call anything a trap game for teams that are headed into a likely college football playoff appearance, but I would sort of just raise an eyebrow to like, do they need the style points here or do they not? And I think we're going to talk about this with almost every single game on the slate this week. Georgia doesn't need style points at this point. Georgia just needs to win games. Uh, and I think, you know, this is still the best team in the country as far as we know right now, but they've been vulnerable to being in a dogfight with a much lesser team. And I think Kentucky is closer to the team that was playing good teams close early in the season rather than the team that has lost four of six, just lost to Vanderbilt at home last week. To me, this is a Kentucky throws everything at you. This is our Super Bowl game. Georgia just wants to come out of this game healthy. 22 and a half is a lot of points. I'm going to rock with the Wildcats on this one. Yeah, I actually like that logic, right? I mean, what else does Kentucky have to play for? This they they went into the season with a certain level of expectation on what they could be, and midway through the year, it looked like, hey, you know what? They might be the one team that can actually pick off Georgia. Now, a lot of stuff has changed since then. Tennessee showed up, LSU showed up. Kentucky had a couple of a uh, couple of unfortunately timed injuries um, and a couple of losses that kind of put a damper on their season. But this is a chance for them to make some noise. It's at home. This is what you can assume is going to be Will Levis's last game in that in that stadium, right? So uh, I, I do think that Kentucky is going to find a way to keep it close. They have a good enough defense where you can kind of like, you know, kind of close your eyes, click that button and say, yeah, I think they find a way to get it done. Um, yeah. I'm with you in that spot. Another interesting one, Ohio State on the road at Maryland. Uh, they're laying 27 and a half, which is um, it's weird when we, you know, we talk a lot about key numbers on this, right? When uh, for people that don't know, when you add up the sevens, for touchdowns <laughs> those are key numbers that you want to kind of get to um 27 and a half is a key number uh it's just very weird to talk about that in a big 10 game where you're laying almost four touchdowns it's a little bit of a trap game for ohio state we have Mich the the uh the showdown with michigan coming up um they ran it up on indiana last week and you talked about style points man ryan day wants to make sure that cj stroud can get that heisman trophy what do you see playing out here in uh in college park yeah, so let's start with key number again. You're right, 27 and a half. Like my eyes light up anytime I can get the half point underneath a touchdown threshold. That mm -hmm. one matters to me here. Second key number for me in this one, though, is 10. Rob, 10 is how many points Maryland has scored in the last two weeks combined. They just got shut out by Penn State 
which fine, like Penn State, good defense. Okay, but they only scored 10 points against Wisconsin the week before. I think this is a broken offense, and I don't see them scoring more than maybe one touchdown in this game. Max, uh, I know that you have been a big fan of taking whatever cupcake Ohio State's about to play just to score total points over. I don't not know what today. Maryland's total points is. Not, not, I would not, not touch that. I would not touch that. Uh, and I do think, back to the style points question, we have to say this with every single game. Not only is Ryan Day playing for positioning here, Ryan Day is playing for the event that they lose to Michigan, still getting into the playoff. Mm-hmm. And you can't tell me that's not on the back of his mind here. That game's going to be a great game. This one won't. But if he can win by 40, 50 points here, that's a resume booster when you're competing with Tennessee, when you're competing with whatever team comes out of the Pac-12 unscathed, uh, maybe potentially TCU, to try to earn that fourth spot in a week from now. Yep. So uh, to be clear, you take those implied team totals, and when it's under 10, that's when you take the team total over. All you need is a touchdown and a field goal. Here, uh, Maryland would probably need two touchdowns to get to that. No, actually, three touchdowns. I'm sorry to get to that number. And uh, that's a little bit too much for me uh, to gamble on when they, uh, you know, only have 10 points in the last two weeks. I, 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 I tend to agree with you in this spot. I don't think I want to touch the total here because I don't trust Maryland at all. Um, and it would also not surprise me if Ohio State put up 63 points and this game went over because the final score was 63 to three. Would you be shocked by that, Greg? I would no, be shocked. But not I, at all. I think, yeah, Ohio State's trying to, uh, they need style points in this game. You're 100% right. The other Big Ten team, we referenced them. We got a showdown coming up. Another potential trap game. Uh, Illinois is at Michigan. Um, the line there is Michigan minus 18. The total there is 40 and a half. Uh, this is one where if you want to look at that team total over uh, the implied total for Illinois is 11.25 points, um, which is kind of getting to a point where you may want to take a look at that. I just I think that Illinois and, and Christian Hackenberg and, and Josh Perry made this point on the JP and Hack show. Illinois just kind of looks like they've lost the war of attrition this season. They have really good players. They have not built up that program depth where you can kind of sustain the injuries, where you can kind of deal with. Uh, the bumps and bruises that come with playing a college football season in the Big Ten. Um, and I think they might just kind of be worn out at this point. So I don't know if I want to take the team total over there. I will say this, Greg, you you know that Michigan program as well as anybody. This feels like the kind of game that ends up like 24 to 10. This feels like an ugly Big Ten, cold weather. No one's throwing the ball. Everything's on the ground. Two defenses are going to kind of beat up on each other kind of a game. Tell me I'm wrong. I wholeheartedly agree. I wish I could tell you you're wrong, but you're not. And style points, we got to play that game that Michigan wants them here for the same reason Ohio State does. The problem is Illinois is a football team that I think can hang in this game. I respect what they've done this season. Now, the wheels have totally fallen off. They had pole position to come out of the Big Ten West and make the Big Ten championship for a program that has never done that. That really matters. But they're still good. They are banged up 100%, but like, can they get a couple touchdowns in this game? Absolutely. They can. This is a prove it game for chase Brown against Blake Corum, who, I mean, chase Brown hit the Heisman pose in what ended up being a loss to Purdue a couple weeks ago. You can't tell me he's not motivated to come here. Uh, but I do think, you know, I, I think Illinois one can score enough to stay in this game Two, Michigan's red zone offense has just been so bad at, times when they've needed it in big games this year that you know if they come away with a couple field goals when they drive the ball down here it's not going to be that hard for illinois to keep this within three touchdowns cold weather game and uh you know i 
I, I want to say this in all seriousness, because I think it's going to come across as like I'm making a joke of this. I'm not whatsoever. But uh, Illinois head coach Brett Bielema's mother passed away this week. Uh, thoughts and prayers to the Bielema family. But on the betting side of things, sometimes when that happens, some extraterrestrial forces come into play and make something happen. Uh, I'll be rocking with Illinois to cover in this spot. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm with you on Illinois. Uh, and I do want to say, while their chances to make the playoff are are gone, right? They were slim to begin with, and they're gone now. Uh, this is still a team that is tied for first place in the Big Ten West. And a win over Michigan with Northwestern on the docket next, uh, you do that and you're going to be able to have a share of the Big Ten West title. I'm not going to sit here and try to figure out what all the tiebreakers are going to end up being with, with all that's left to play in the Big Ten West. But if you're Illinois and you're sitting at 6-3, and three, you can probably feel pretty confident uh, that you have yourself, at the very least, a share of the Big Ten West uh, title. All right, Rob, excuse me for interrupting real quick, but if there was any question on how good my stuff is as a better today, Daniil Medvedev and Novak Djokovic over 23 games going to hit. It's going to a third set at Bet Rivers. Cash that ticket. Let's have a weekend. <laughs> He's hot, baby. He is hot. Make sure you stay around for the retirement parlay. You don't want to miss Greg's heater because when it's coming, we're all going to end up getting rich. All right. TCU at Baylor. Uh, TCU is finally a favorite, Greg. They are laying two and a half points on the road against the Bears. Total there is 57. Um, TCU has to win out more or less, right? I think that we can all agree, and we talked about this all week on uh, on After Dark. They're not getting in if they are a one-loss team, right? They're, they they have to be undefeated to have a chance to get into the, the playoff. Baylor got smoked last uh, time out by Kansas State at home. I believe that was 31-3. to uh, Where do you stand here? Are the horny toads going into Waco and beating up on the Bears? Let me ask you a question here, because I, I know where I'm going with this, but I want to see if you're on my side before I really get into my spiel here. You and I are both basketball guys. You've put this wonderful network called the Field of 12 out here into the universe, which is fantastic. We get to learn so much about football from smart football people who know the game, know what they see in teams, break it down every single night for us. And all season long, all these guys have just told me repeatedly over and over and over and over again, TCU is for real. It's time to take them serious. It doesn't matter that they've ran into broken quarterback after broken quarterback, lucky, lucky, lucky win after lucky win, right? How is TCU only a two and a half point favorite in this game? If all that's true, if we really truly believe TCU is that good against a Baylor team that has been a mess this season compared to what they should have been, how are they only two and a half point favorites? So that feels so weird to me. I have red flag all over in my eyes when I think about this game. Do you trust TCU, Rob? Do you fully trust this team that they're a good football team? Can you say that with your chest right now? No, but it feels like they are something of a team of destiny, right? Like how well, we did we dealt with this last year in uh, in college hoops with Providence, where you look at them and objectively, and by all the metrics, they were not a great basketball team, but they found a way to win the games that they had to win, the close games that they had to win, come coming from behind over and over and over again, and they ended up winning the biggest regular season title for the first time in 40-something years that they've been a part of that conference. Uh, and it feels like TCU is this year's Providence. You can call them lucky. You can call them fortunate. You can say that they've gotten some good bounces. Whatever it is, you have to call them undefeated. And I think that after this game, you are going to continue to call them undefeated. What I will say, though, Greg, we identified the trap line of the week last week. LSU minus three at Arkansas. You know what that final was? 13 to 10. That's what we called a push. You know what the good news is, Greg? What's we got that? the hook on our side this week. 
Ooh. We got the hook on our side this week. I am taking TCU. I'm laying the two and a half points. I just don't see a scenario where they don't win this game. They have to find a way to get it done. I understand everything. Everything that you're saying is 100% correct. Bryce Petty's not walking through that door. <laughs> yeah, you're right there. I would feel uh, a lot better about this if Baylor had some dudes that I really trusted, especially on the offensive side of the football. The only dude I trust on the Baylor side is Dave Aranda. I think he's a great football coach, and I don't really know how to explain that. I don't know how to tie my belief that Aranda is a fantastic football coach with Baylor's results this season, but I do think they're starting to play better. And if I'm going to go down this year, Rob, it has not been a profitable football season for me. I'll just be honest. If I'm going to go down this season, I'm going to go down swinging. And I have doubled down and tripled down on TCU not being the team of destiny. This is my final bullet in the chamber. This is my final one. I'm rocking with Baylor, Baylor money line this week, Rob. It's my final chance. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, if if uh, if you are correct and Baylor ends up losing, that means that Tennessee has a chance to crack into that top four, um, has a chance to be the second SEC team that's going to be headed to the playoff. The Vols on the road at South Carolina, laying 22 points. Uh, they still have a chance um, to dance. So, again, this is going to be a situation we'll start where style points are necessary. The last time that we saw South Carolina play, they lost 38-6 to on the road at Florida. Coming up next, they have Clemson. This is, uh, I don't know if you want to call this a trap game, a bounce-back spot. There are very much competing narratives here that are going to drive me insane to try to think about and turn my brain into a pretzel. I will say this. I think Tennessee is really, really good, and they are going to be motivated to try to, to make a point. Right. I think they really have to make a point because when it comes down to it, let's say Georgia goes into the SEC championship game undefeated. LSU goes and wins the SEC championship game. Do you put one lost Tennessee in there? Like, can they crack that? Can they get into a top four? I don't think that it's going to be something that happens. So you have they 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 have to go out there and they have to win big and they have to make a uh, make a statement. Yeah, you're you're dead right. If this was uh, you know, the style points week, I feel like that's the narrative this week for everybody. Tennessee is the team that I think needs it the most. And they're also the team that I think I trust the most, oddly, like to capitalize on that spot. And that's no disrespect to Ohio State, who can run it up on everybody. They will intentionally do that. But it, I, I don't think much should change from the conversation all season long that we think this is Tennessee's year. Yes, they lost to Georgia, and that was a bad performance. Uh, I To me, like that doesn't really swing much for me. Like Georgia can take the classification as the best team in the country right now. They deserve that. That's fine. But uh, this still sort of is Tennessee's year to me. Like When I step back and think of college football this season, I think of Hendon Hooker first. I think of Tennessee and what they've done. And I don't think they're dead yet. I, I made this point on Monday night's uh, Field of 12 After Dark show. Like, I think if it really comes down to it, and even if TCU, like if TCU loses to Baylor, wins the Big 12 and is a one-loss team, um, even if TCU runs the table, honestly, I think if Tennessee's sitting there with one loss and their only loss is Georgia, I have a really hard time seeing them not get in. Uh, it, they talked about USC coming from the Pac-12 as a one-loss champ. I think Tennessee gets in over them. I know they want the different media uh, parts of the country in that, but I, I don't know how you would leave this team out if they just take care of business, and they're going to take care of business in this game. I mean, you don't come in as a South Carolina team that just lost by 32 points to Florida. That doesn't indicate to me that you're going to be able to keep this close against a team that needs desperately a blowout win on their resume. Uh, I'm rocking with Hendon Hooker, and I'm pretty excited about that bet this week. Yeah, I also like, uh, since we're doing team totals, I like the South Carolina team total under. 
in this spot. It, it'll be um, 21 and a half, 22, depending on uh, on when you get it or when you jump on it and what that line ends up moving to. Uh, but I think Tennessee kind of stifles them a little bit. What does is, what is South Carolina have left to play for? What are we? No. What are we? What are we talking about with them? Right, they got nothing, uh, and I think Tennessee's defense is a little bit better than what um, the narrative kind of is with them. All right, you mentioned USC; they're playing at UCLA in what should be a rivalry game. Here is my biggest question: Right, they're on the road, and generally speaking, when you go on the road in a rivalry game, you expect it to be an insane environment. Do we think UCLA fans are going to show up and show out and make that be a cauldron, or? Is it going to be the kind of thing where like half the crowd is red? I I think it's the thing where half the crowd is empty. What color are the seats in that stadium, Rob? <laughs> I mean, that's that would be my thing. We've seen it all season long. Uh, I don't know. Look, a, a half filled stadium in the Pac-12 probably feels like I don't know. They're playing in the the, the Superdome, right? What we stepped into in April last year. But uh, I don't think it matters. Like as far as it's going to affect the football game, I, I I don't expect anything from the stadium atmosphere itself to to play a role here. That said, uh, I like UCLA here, and it's mostly just because I've convinced myself that this Pac-12 conference is just going to cannibalize itself. If it hasn't already, I think it has. But USC is sort of the team that stands a chance that's still out there, uh, just floating with one loss. Everybody loves them. Everybody loves Caleb Williams. I mean, certainly the committee would like to see them run the table from here, I think. But, um, you know, the thing about USC is that they let teams hang around and uh, their, their one loss to Utah, they certainly did that. I thought they had chances to sort of put the game away prior to that. But even after that, in the weeks that have come, like they gave up 37 points to Arizona. They gave up 35 points to Cal. Uh, they did take care of business against Colorado last week, but even early in that game, they were trailing. I, I don't know. UCLA's run game is a constant to me. I think Charbonnet could be the difference. I think he's going to go for about 150 yards minimum in this spot. So, uh, you know, bounce back spot for UCLA too. In a game they're going to care about, it was clearly a look ahead trappy spot for them last week in their loss. I'll take the Bruins being home dogs in this spot and feel pretty good about it. Yeah, the money line there is plus 105, and I do not hate your logic at all. Uh, speaking of the Pac-12 and another small home underdog, Utah is playing at Oregon. The line there is Oregon plus two and a half. The total is 60. Quack, quack, Greg. Quack, quack. Uh, I, in all seriousness, we've seen Oregon up until last week when they lost to Washington looked like the best team in the Pac-12, they looked like a team we were we were talking about. Yeah, you know what? You got to kind of ignore the fact that they got smoked by Georgia at the start of the season and say, hey, they are running through what has been an underrated Pac-12. One three-point loss is that is that changing the way that we view this team the the way we view their season? It it has to fundamentally a little bit, I think, because you know a week ago. I don't remember if we talked about them on this show or not, but uh, my belief was that Oregon was the top five team in the country that, you know, uh, unless they run up against one of the big dogs from another conference, like they did against Georgia, I, I thought they were the class of this conference. I thought they were just more talented. I thought they were bigger where it matters in the trenches. And, um, you know, to allow a team like Washington, who no disrespect to Washington, they have one of the most explosive offenses in the country. We've seen that. Michael Penix is awesome. But to allow a team like Washington to it, like, you know what Washington wants to do and to allow that to work against you and not really take anything away from them. That shocked me from what I thought Oregon was. 
Uh, the thing as it applies to this game, though, is that I, I don't think Utah is well suited to take advantage of Oregon's weakness there in the way that Washington did. I think you've got to try and throw for like 350, 400 yards plus on this Oregon secondary. And uh, to me, Cam Rising, he's a great quarterback, but that's not how they want to win. I think they want to run the ball. Um, yeah, I looked at his numbers. He only has one 300-yard passing game on the entire season right now. So I, I like Oregon here. I do think they're a much more talented team than Utah. I think I said it throughout the year. And Utah really has turned things around, give them credit. Ever since the USC loss, they've looked like a totally different team. But uh, part of that's the opponents they've been playing. And I still think a lot of Utah's reputation was made last year when they hung with Ohio state compared to what they've actually been on the field this year. So I, I like Oregon. And uh, when you combine this game with the last game, we just talked about Rob, tell me if I'm crazy, but I, I have a hard time seeing us coming away, losing money. If we bet both money line underdogs here at home, I think you win at least one of UCLA, Oregon with a really good chance of winning two If you sprinkle the dogs at home. Yeah, I think what we just heard there, folks, was uh, a little teaser for what Greg's retirement parlay may end up looking like. Uh, I think we might have a little bit of Baylor sprinkled in there as well. I'm just guessing. I'm just throwing it out there, Greg. Um, I'm not, I I like Oregon, and we'll get into them in the Moneyline Underdogs section. All right, a couple quick hitters here. Uh, we'll do about 30 seconds on each one of these games. Penn State at Rutgers. Penn State's laying 19 points. The total there is 45. It is not a spot where we want to bet the team total over, Greg. The projected score is 32 to 13. I honestly... Kind of like the the under in this spot. Rutgers, <laughs> I just, you know, you watch this Penn State defense and they just eat people alive. I'm so glad you said it. I love the under in this play. Uh, I I weirdly just have a gut feel. I think this could be like a 6 nothing football game. I, look, I'm in Michigan. That's not where Rutgers is. But, uh, you know, general Midwesty East Coast vibes. You can tell me what it's like closer to actually New Jersey, Rob. But uh, we well, got I told you, I stood on the roof outside of the Philadelphia airport and it was cold and windy. <laughs> right. and it was basically the top. I, I pretty much scaled Mount Everest. Right. And uh, we got 14 inches of snow here in Michigan last night. That's moving your way over the next 24 hours. You saw the Buffalo Bills game get canceled because they're expecting what? A f- two feet of snow in that stadium. Uh, I, I think this six is going to be really actually, ugly. Six feet of snow. You would not be able to stand up in the uh, in the Bills stadium. Oh, goodness gracious. I'll Yeah, I'll, give me the under, and I think the under hits comfortably here. <laughs> um, Yeah, I like the under there as well. Uh, Iowa at Minnesota. Iowa's laying two and a half. The total there is 32.5. Gross. What do you got, Greg? I mean, what a low total, right? I, I'm going to flip and take the over on this one. <laughs> and I know we're talking about cold weather in the Midwest. Uh, who knows what it's going to be like in Minnesota here, but it, we've seen Iowa's offense contribute to going over by turning the ball over, I think you could potentially see that in this game. It's just such a low number, right? I mean, if you get a touchdown in the first quarter, you feel pretty good about that. Uh, so I'll root, I'll root for the over. That's a fun route. Yep. I like the over there as well. Uh, as you said, defensive touchdowns count for as many points as offensive touchdowns do. I kind of like Minnesota in that spot as well. Um, fading Iowa is never a, uh, a dumb thing to do. Um, UConn at Army. Army is laying 10 points. The total there is 43 and a half. UConn is six and five, baby. They're, they will be bowl bound if there's enough bowl spots available. Apparently, uh, Brett McMurphy was trying to explain this to me, and I didn't really want to hear it, um, that they're not guaranteed to get a spot in a bowl. Um, either way, UConn plus 10. They've, they've covered the last two weeks when I've been trying to tell you about them. I, I, they have, right? Uh, I, look, I got to start taking you seriously, which is not a strong suit of mine, Rob. It, it doesn't feel good. But 
Do they, let me ask this. Do they need a win? Like if they get one more win, are they officially in a bowl game? No, it does. They're they're officially in a bowl game. If there is one available to them, if there's not enough bowl eligible teams to fill all of the bowl spots, but so they can't move up the ranks, right? Like if they get a win here, then that would help them or no. No, it's the, it's they're basically just playing for pro. Like it doesn't change anything for them if they get. See, I, I'm having a hard time tracking that. In that case, I mean, I don't know. Do we take the under here? I don't like UConn plus ten. It's, I mean, military academies, man. I don't like betting against them ever. That's in my Bible of college football betting rules. Yeah, um, I I don't feel comfortable on it either because it very much feels like a letdown spot. Right. When you don't necessarily have the they, they accomplish what they need to accomplish last week. And the question is, do they keep the momentum going or are they going to kind of say, hey, you know what? We're on the road this week. It's a little bit of a different story. Um, I don't I don't like either side there, uh, but I do think that you're right in the under. Look, they're playing at West Point. Right. What did we just talk about with, with what's happening in Buffalo? Now, you don't get the lake effects now, but it's not going to be a uh, let's just say it's not going to be a nice evening in um, or a nice afternoon on Saturday. Indiana at Michigan State. Your Spartans laying 10 points, total there 47 and a half. What do we got? I hate the number. I mean, it, you could talk me into it with nine and a half. Maybe you could easily talk me into Indiana at 10 and a half. Uh, I'm going to take the points and the road team here. I, I Look, Indiana is not a good football team, but Michigan State's trying to trick people into thinking they're a good football team. They're still not. This team has all the same disastrous issues they had earlier in the season when the results weren't going their way. Uh, I think if Michigan State wins this game, it's still an ugly rock fight in the snow. I'm actually going to be at this game, uh, and I can't envision myself enjoying the football side of this whatsoever. So as an emotional and mental hedge, I'm going to take Indiana plus 10 in the spot. Why would you go to this game? What what possesses you in in fourteen inches of snow to go see Indiana play Michigan State in football? Well, the true answer is when you go to an institution like Michigan State University, Rob, where you get just top notch sports in both football and basketball. You're presented with opportunities such as seeing Michigan State host Villanova tonight, and then the next morning waking up and seeing Michigan State host Indiana tomorrow. That's what I'm doing. It's a matinee weekend for the Waddells. Well, good luck with that. Um, all right. We're going to get to the money line on dogs in a second. But first, I need your retirement parlay for this week. Well, I'm so glad you asked, Rob. We're running out of weeks. The people have heard me say that. So we're going to adjust slightly. We're going to eliminate the super long shots, right? Because I've tried to bulk these up with maybe like a plus 500, plus 600 there to really juice this. Tonight, we're locking in on six teams, all under plus 300. These are reasonable, realistic, long shot underdogs to hit. Six of them. First one, right where we just talked about, Indiana to beat Michigan State. I really think it could happen. Uh, Indiana is not good, but Michigan State is not good either. And they've got nothing to play for. They're already locked in. Next one, Baylor money line at home against TCU. I'm going down swinging. I don't think TCU is the team of destiny we say they are. Duke money line plus 220 at Pittsburgh. You heard me say this earlier in the year. Pitt doesn't matter who they're playing. They can win or lose by seven points or less. This is going to be a dogfight against a Duke team that's quietly a very good football team. Kansas money line plus 275 against Texas. Once again, Texas is overvalued. I cannot believe this is plus 275. And then we're finishing with the two Pac 12 teams we talked about, Rob. UCLA money line to beat USC. 
Oregon money line to beat Utah. The two teams at home, I think there's a great chance both hit. It is $100 to win $44,190.09. Never forget the cents. So I like the Oregon call the best out of those. That was my money line underdog of the week. That is plus 105. Greg, who do you like the best out of those? I'm going to take Kansas uh, simply because I think this is the most disrespectful line of the week. I don't understand why Vegas thinks Texas is a good football team still. I mean, what else do we have to prove? Uh, We've seen them consistently not covered by two scores in games where they're favored by over a touchdown against pretty solid football teams. And Kansas is a pretty solid football team that is at home here. uh, That's going to get up for this game, in my opinion. Like, yeah, they've already made the bowl game and all of that, but you know, this is the first time in forever that Kansas has a real football team and now they're hosting an overrated Texas. Like the fans are going to show up and make that a fun one. Give me Kansas plus 275. What's your favorite play this week? You know, I I really go back to Ohio State minus 27 and a half. And it's just because we have such a history of seeing Ryan Day try to blow out out teams and run up numbers. And I think Maryland's broken. I mean, you don't score 10 points or less against Wisconsin uh, and follow that up with a shutout against Penn state and then take on the talented Ohio state defense and have any sort of signs of life. I think Ohio state wins by 35 plus minimum. So my favorite play this week is the Oregon money line for um, all the reasons I mentioned before, but also because this game kicks off at 10 30 which means that you can just pile money onto Oregon after you lose everything today and make it all back in one fell swoop. That's the plan. That's the strategy. And I'm sticking to that story. Greg, it's been fun. This has been the week 12 best bets show. So for Greg Waddell, for producer Dagan Hughes, my name is Rob Dawson. We'll see you guys again. In week 12.